This week, we are talking to John Dill, one of our close friends and owner of uh, CrossFit Suisponte in Durham and Raleigh. John's been on the podcast a number of times, and uh, this will definitely not be his last appearance here. Today, we're going to be talking about his family's marina in central coast of North Carolina and how he's getting involved in this uh, 70-year-old business. Join us now as we start the conversation. Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Die Living Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Die Living Podcast, brought to you by Softleet. This week, we are joined by one of the guests who's uh, visited with us a number of times in the past, one of our close friends, John Dill, uh, CrossFit Suisponte owner in Durham and Raleigh. Yeah. And recently, uh, I don't know, well, I guess we'll find out on the podcast, if he's also now an owner of uh, Dewey's Marina. Dudley's. Dudley's. Yep. Uh, let's re- record that shit. I'm even wearing the shirt. Um, uh, fuck it. Anyway. No, no, no. Um, no, dude. It's li- better when you it, fucked it up. So, anyway, uh, Dudley's Marina. Dudley's Marina, yep. And I was like, I know it starts with a D. Yeah. Uh, I could just look down. But in any event, yeah, uh, I want to, I'm really interested in talking about this and hearing about kind of what's going on out there. So without further ado, let's kick off another kind of business-centric episode and then, yeah. uh, See what's going on. John, thanks for joining us again yeah, today. We always, really appreciate always it. Always a pleasure. Love you guys. It's always fun hanging out and discussing fun topics. So, uh, so yeah, a few months ago, I actually took over as what we're considering a fractional CEO of All Dudley's right. Marina. So um, my uncle will remain the owner. Gotcha. Um, so, but uh, he's been having some health problems. And um, really, the doctors told him he probably should have retired about two years ago. Uh-huh. But it's one of those situations where he's like super old school, hardworking, down east guy. Yeah. And like, you well, tell me he has to retire. He's like, yeah, fuck Roger, you. not, not happening. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> let's, uh, so let's get the backstory because this sure. is a business with like a lot of history to it. A ton of history. Um, you know, t- just for, for us included, like, mm-hmm. you know, what is the backstory? What's the history behind the marina? So it was the, it started off as just a, a railway. And you know, water railway where the they would pull the old handmade wooden shrimp trawlers up, you know, wow. sixty five foot and boats. Like how far how long ago are we talking about? So that was in the thirties. Right. Um, my my grandmother's father, so my uncle and my mom's grandfather, uh, his last name was Weathington. And that they the Weathingtons, you know, came from that area down east in the Boganlet, Swansbury area for as long as there's any recorded history. Well, right. That's just, that's just, they've been there since anybody started recording it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it was started in the thirties and, and, you know, back then it was, you know, people used the water to, to survive, to make a living. It wasn't like, Hey, we're going to the fourth, <laughs> like we're going to drink a bunch of beer and right. catch some, 
you know, spend, you know, $800 on gas and catch two dolphin, you know, I'm going to take my top off <laughs> and I'm going to do some things that I'll regret. <laughs> right. 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 So that was in the thirties and it, for years it was just an old golf station. You remember the old ga- gas golf oh, stations yeah. and it just, you know, it just happened to be on the intercoastal waterway. So there was a charter boat dock out back. So mainly like a, a marina gas station, like a gas station for boats or yeah, it, or was, it was like a, just like a full service station that just had some, some charter boats that, that docked behind it. And it stayed that way from the 30s, and and they they built wooden boats on the railway, and th- th- that started in the 30s. Mm-hmm. I've got a, a shipbuilder named Dewey Salter, who's super famous down there, um, and, and and he you know he was building boats down there on the railway. So they they bring the they would build the boats on the railway and then launch them because these are giant 65 foot handmade wooden boats. So you like trawlers them. or yeah, shrimp yeah. trawlers, commercial oh. fishing boats built by hand wood wooden boats man and, isn't uh, that crazy yeah think about i mean we still have some of those boats built back then at the marina really and they're functional and they're they're badass man big diesel engines and wow they're um super what does cool. it take to maintain those i mean is it just like constantly sealing the whole huge bags of money <laughs> <laughs> well um they they actually hold up really well they're, they're right. super heavy uh but it just you know we ha- um that's one of the benefits of you know we have a standing crew of awesome crew of, of folks that have been working down there that's another thing that makes it pretty unique is a lot of the guys that have been working down there i mean you know some of them have been working there longer than i've been alive same wow. place same same business how many employees you know? do you have in the marina uh seven full-time employees and 17 part-time Dude, that's a lot of people yeah it's kind of like seasonal hires that kind of come in and out yeah. so it started that way in the 30s and the, and, the, and then it, in 1957 it became D- dudley's marina and um and then my my uncle was the one that had the vision tore down the gulf station because it, it was a lot of land not being used built the big dry stack in the ship store and that's when it really became a fully functional marina all right so that um so he's that was about 40 years ago or so mm-hmm. Uh, roughly and um, but you know he was he was a pioneer in that aspect you know it's like hey there's more to this and he, but he, you know he was still v- adamant about looking out for the blue collar guys and the, right. the people making the living you know I, I don't know if you guys saw my Instagram but that was one of those old wooden shrimp trawlers that's still up on the railway yeah getting painted and worked on and well, I laughed when you when you like talk on the podcast about taking over at Dudley's or whatever, and like three of my buddies who are really big into like offshore fishing yeah. message me. They're like, "Hey, man, can you give me the contact information of that dude who <laughs> dude. owns a marina?" I'm like, uh, "Yeah, man, like that's just a gas station, right?" Like, and they're like, "No, no, dude, Dudley's is like super famous. Like, we need to we need to call him." And yeah. I'm like, "Oh, yeah, it's wow. It, who it, knew John was such a big deal, it, dude? It's it's been there forever, you know. So the credit for that really goes to my uncle, man. He was he was a um, pretty ahead of his time in terms of having the vision for that and was real big on looking out for the local fishing community looked out for i mean i, I remember as a kid growing up and you know they would just throw me on the, some of these headboats headed out like there you go boy have some fun you know and just talking to the guys on the ships and around like you know just being too young to really understand why but just like man everybody really has a lot of respect for my uncle you know what i mean like hey he helped, helped a lot of guys get their start and yeah you know made sure he looked out for them when they were trying to get get their own charter businesses up like as far as like hey man you know we'll, we'll float you what you need for a while until you can get it back and that's awesome man. That kind I mean, of stuff. building like a real community out right, there right yeah so, so i mean in the dry stack is that mostly commercial boats that you guys are putting like smaller commercial boats that's or? a good question no that's all uh those are all recreational Crafts. Right. There's a hundred, 173 spots in the dry stack per, at capacity with a waiting list. Wow. Um, you use about 25, 26 feet is about the, the biggest we can fit in there. Yeah. Um, some spots are built for T tops and et cetera, et cetera. But 
you know, their, their storage fee for the year comes with, you know, one in and out a day. So right. any, any given day of the year, except for we close for Christmas and half a day on Thanksgiving. All right. That was my uncle's deal. He's like, that's it. Every other day, if, you know, somebody wants their boat, they get their boat. That's right? a hustle, man. <laughs> so, is that a big profit center for a marina? Yeah, that's, that is a substantial amount of the revenue comes from, from the dry stack. So um, you're thinking about expanding that out? Well, it's pretty maxed out. My uncle is a pretty, pretty resourceful guy. Um, there's some, might be some room on the yard to get some more storage, but then in the yard, it's not locked up. Things go missing. Yeah. yeah. Cameras everywhere. We have some land across the street, across how it's right on highway 24 East, but same thing. It's across the street. You know, I Fork love lifting a boat across the street. Not, yeah. That kind of stuff. Good. And just things go missing over there. You know, I mean, I, I love it down there, but you know, it's down East. It's, you know, um, it's, you know, it's on, you know, it's, uh, you know, shit, shit will go missing down there. I like, <laughs> I like how John's trying to get around the Literally. fact that like people steal shit. Yeah. <laughs> nah, man, when I grew up in East Texas, like we used to drive around looking for empty electrical trucks to grab tools, man. Right. You know, like it's late at night. Uh, they left the keys in this bulldozer. Let's take it for a joy ride. Right. Yep. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, woo. Yeah. There, there it goes. So. so, I mean, it sounds like your uncle, obviously a super sharp guy, right. hard worker, you know, but things maybe over the last, you know, sometime over the last 40 years went from being super, super strong, healthy business yeah. to, you know, kind of slowly deteriorating a little bit. So yeah. what happened there? I mean, so, uh, you know, I think, you know, and getting into business six years ago with the, the gyms, it, it makes a lot more sense uh, than it did bef before that. Before that was hard to relate to my uncle because he never owned a business. But, you know, there's different, obviously different business models and different ways to build business. Well, the way he built that business was 100% around himself and his personality and the vision he had inside his head, mm -hmm. right? So, which worked really well when he was in his prime and, you know, was was still clicking on all cylinders. But um, he developed he's developed a Parkinson-like disease, a bunch of minor strokes in the frontal lobe of his brain, which affects your personality and affects yeah. your decision-making ability. Executive function. Executive functioning, right? So he didn't really have, he never really you know, he, he, old school way of, of running a business, you know, he didn't really, not, not that they didn't understand the concept. It just wasn't a concept back then of a, of an exoskeleton and mm -hmm. redundant position. Like, Hey, the CEO's not clicking. This person steps up. There was no organizational chart, right? There was no roles and responsibilities and a job description. It was like, yeah, man, Jerry takes care of that. Cause Jerry's <laughs> taking care of that for the last 30 fucking years. Right. Jerry, <laughs> sounds, like a, Jerry sounds like a good dude. Dude, Jerry's the man. He's, he's been there forever. And, um, but you know, which which is great. Which when my uncle was at full capacity, you know, he, he's you know he literally was holding that place together with with duct tape. Yeah. So what 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 I what we've been able to do is come in and actually insert an actual exoskeleton because the crew down there is so awesome and they have the day to day stuff down so well. Yeah. We can just literally just take the duct tape off piece of time and put the exoskeleton in, and now it's a structure and there's. Well, it sounds like there's a wealth of knowledge there too. Right. I imagine that you guys are able to do certain types of repairs or, you know, like even restorations. Oh that yeah. Other places, you know, don't have the knowledge or yeah. experience and ton of knowledge, man. And so that's why it's really cool to be able to get involved at my level. Like I don't have to go in there and tell Jerry, except for example, is our, is our yard guy. You know, when, when something breaks there, that's the, how my uncle is, man. When something breaks there, we fix it. Yeah. So when, you know, when the shore lift broke, we don't, we don't buy a new one or pay, you know, big ticket item, you know, it's mm -hmm. Jerry, Jerry goes in there and fixes it. Right. So the same thing with the route. I used to grow up, uh, growing up, I worked, worked down there on the summers and I worked for my uncle for over a year when I first got out of school at Carolina and 
you know, when the railway needs, you know, replacing, so, oh, and it really needs replacing. I'm like, oh, cool. Who's going to do that? He's like, mm, you and Jerry. <laughs> you know, so we're out there laying the new that tracks. That sounds like a big right. part of fishing culture, like commercial fishing culture. You know, you watch like TV shows that are like reality shows, like the deadliest catch, like crab fishing. Yeah. Like, it's a big part of that job is knowing like the hydraulic systems are broken. Yep. We've got to fix it because you're out in the water. There's no yep. like call the handyman. That's make it. This thing and that's how, especially down there, down east, man, the, the, this a super old school community like that. I mean, they're, they're fiercely independent people down there. They grew up on the water. I mean, it's, it sounds like, oh yeah, like dolphins and the dudes, it's a rough way to make a living. I mean, you got to be a hard yeah. worker and you got to be very self-sufficient. So it reminds me of a story that I was in my freshman year of college. I was rooming with a, one of my homies from high school and you know, we had a weekend, like a long weekend or whatever. Like, hey man, you want to go down to Swansboro with me? Like, we'll, we'll go fishing and whatever, whatever. So we took the, one of the handmade wooden skiffs out. We smoked up a little bit, you know, we're out there fishing and I go to start the, it was just an outboard motor with a pull string. You know, I go to start it and just, just meathead it. Right. Just snap the string. Like, damn it. There's no cell phones <laughs> back then. Right. So <laughs> wait for one of the local dudes to come by. Like, Hey, what, what are y'all doing out here? Like, yeah. I broke this, this string thing, man. Can you tell my uncle? I'm like, yep. I'll let John Willard know. So, <laughs> you know, like 30 minutes later, my uncle shows up in his boat and my homie's like, okay, cool. So like, we just leave this here. And like, we, we jump on another boat and like something, somebody comes. I'm like, nah, dude, it's not going to go down like that. You know? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, <sighs> cause my, you know, my <laughs> uncle's just sitting there staring. He's like, he's going to, he's going to walk me through how to fix it. Like, well, yeah, well, like when we know, like right now, dude, like <laughs> that this is a lesson that I'm about right. to learn on how to, how to fix. So, you know, 10 minutes later, the top's off. I'm respooling this outboard motor, right. tying the string back off. My buddy's sitting there. I was like, I'm like, dude, you look really stressed out right now. Try to try to calm down. Like, I can, you know, right. <laughs> so um, that's but, awesome, though, yeah, man. Because that's how they grow up. Because, you know, old rednecks love to teach lessons. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. And it's well, good it, shit to learn. Cause, it's refreshing yeah. that, that the non disposable culture still exists. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, same thing just, with the, the, I was in charge of cutting the grass when I worked down there. Like big, my responsibilities have drastically increased. But when I first was like, "Hey, hey, bud, the grass is getting ahead of us, right?" So I'm pushing the hell out of this. This this lawnmower has been there since like the '50s, and it breaks. And I'm like, I tell Jerry, I'm like, "Cool, man, I'm gonna go tell John Willard we need a new lawnmower," and he just laughs. He's like, "Yeah." Cool. Let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> right? Ten minutes later, I'm in the shop, you know, fixing the lawnmower. There's like we don't buy we don't, we don't buy new lawnmowers, dude. You know, so dude, my dad has uh, <laughs> this Black and Decker drill that was his father's right. from the '50s, and I mean the whole thing is made of steel. Right. You know, like it weighs like 20 pounds. He said to replace the bushings in the motor a few times. Yeah, but like. Man, yeah, same thing. This this drill is definitely older than I am by a long margin. <laughs> right. You probably like you know like break through a door with it or something. Yeah, you know, it's like it's multi it, multi uses. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean it's got a shitload of torque and it's just good to go, man. Yeah. Like he will continue. He would never be like, oh yeah, we'll just toss this one out and get. Bring me the new plastic, like well, you know, he's battery got the good one, one. man. <laughs> the new ones are shit. Yeah, and like it's like going to Africa or the Middle East, and you're like, hey man, my alternator went out. I can't go buy a new shitty AC Delco replacement. I got to take the old alternator to this like little Haji eighty year old dude who's gonna sit around and he's like, yeah, I can rewind that for you and whatever, like you know language she's speaking <laughs> yeah. and you're like cool man here's here's like you know five bucks and then you come back and the alternator works because the dude like actually fixed the alternator yeah which we don't even know how to do in our culture because we yeah. have a hundred ac delcos well our friend yeah it's like it's a part of rural culture that's really gone away in the mm -hmm. urban parts of the united states a friend of ours isaac 
did this like super harebrained motorcycle trip through China to North Korea. Like he started in Shanghai and wow. he, he flew into Shanghai. He was, well, he was living in China teaching English uh, to Chinese students as like a, he'd gotten kicked out of West Point and decided like, oh, well, I'm going to press reset on my life and flew to China. He's half Chinese, spoke Chinese fluently. And he's possibly the world's most handsome man. He is extremely handsome. Um, <laughs> anyways. Helps you get out of situations. situation sometimes. Yeah, and, and like, and one of the most brilliant people I've ever met, like those people that you meet, and you're like, he kind of downplays it, but he's just operating at a different level than the rest of us, so he's kinda, doing everybody <clears throat> in the world a favor by killing him just because it, like, will raise our, <laughs> yeah, our collective He's average. currently, like, a super high analyst at Rand Corporation, you know. Um, anyways, he just... He's also insane, and <laughs> he and his buddy decided, like, hey, you know what we should do? We should buy motorcycles, and we should try to make it down to North Korea and get into North Korea. And they're like, that sounds like a good idea. So they bought these, like, 80cc or 125cc like Chinese four off-brand four-stroke motorcycles yes. <laughs> and just start making their way down. And it's, like, thousands of miles, oh, yeah. right, through rural China. Dang. And... So yeah, like they have breakdown issues and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, we were in this one town and like my motorcycle broke down and we're trying to find like a mechanic shop or somebody that could fix it. And they finally find this one old man. that's like, yeah, I can fix your motorcycle. I'm like, well, where's your shop? He's like, the only tools I have are like a crescent wrench and a screwdriver, a flathead <laughs> screwdriver. It's literally <laughs> the only tools he possessed. And he proceeded to fix this motorcycle. That's awesome. Like up to standard where they could continue on with the trip. Chinese MacGyver, right. man. Yeah. And he's like, man, like no one, no one acts this way in the United States. Like right. You just, yeah. And when it, and I think, I think the difference is, and when it comes to being self-sufficient and you know, it, it can, it can definitely be an asset, but in my uncle's case, he was so fiercely independent and it never needed or had to depend on anybody but himself. But as he's entering this next phase of his life, which you know, it's, it's tough to watch, you know, I mean, for yeah. years he never changed, you know, and then as he started losing that mental capacity, just watching him struggle with, you know, m you know, mustering the vulnerability to let that go. I mean, that was a process. Yeah. I didn't just roll up down there like, hey, I mean, I had, to, I had multiple meetings with, with he and my, my business consultant very gently trying to. <coughs> Is he with it enough to like, yeah. I mean, does, did he willingly make the transition yes, he did okay we, yeah and he recently got a little worse and it was before that so it was great but you know we he, um you know we it was a very gentle process um and my business consultant the guy by the name of thomas reed was crucial in that whole process if it had just been me trying to talk to my uncle the the whole narrative he had adopted because tough man i'm standing on the sidelines watching this this place i love that i grew up being a part of just kind yeah. of slowly deteriorate it's painful and, and watching my uncle i mean the how intimately tied he and that business were and watching them both kind of simultaneously fade to black. That was tough, dude. What were the things you were seeing from the business? Well, you know, it very similar to the, the, the stuff that I saw with him, you know, I mean, he, he didn't know anything else. So he would just go over there, but you know, he's, he's falling asleep behind the desk and, you know, and, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you're saying like, you guys have a waiting list for the dry stack. Right. I mean, you know, was it the like customer is customer service failing or kind of nothing was failing. It was just kind of slowly just getting worse. Yeah. Which is a lot more dangerous, right? Cause it's like, you don't just come in like, Oh, there's a fire, put it out. Right. Yeah, right, the, right. The, rat, the frog in the boiling yeah, pot. I mean, and like I said, our crew down there is awesome. So the day to day operations is getting taken care of, but there's nobody with the big picture in mind. There's nobody, right. you know, put with, you know, key performance indicators and letting people know how they're doing. And sure. It had ran so run so long and John, like, Hey, we just, we do the day-to-day -day stuff, and if anything else needs to be done, like John Willard will let us know. Yeah, you know, and as he lost the capacity to do that, he's, 
you know, so he, just kind of he knew he control. needed to let it let it go. But that letting go of that control, I mean, that's hard, man. It's something you super hard. Oh, super yeah. Hard. Well, in a lot of businesses, you know, I, I read a book years ago that talked about um, how like a lot of businesses aren't actually businesses. They're just kind of like a, a rough consortium of independent contractors. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Everybody does their own thing. Yeah. And so like doing the stuff that you're talking about, creating these processes, that exoskeleton, mm-hmm. that is the business. Right. You know, that's the thing that becomes saleable. That's the thing that becomes redundant. Yeah. You know, transferring so people that can knowledge, be, right? Yeah. yeah. And people can be interchanged, right? Like, yeah. you know, it sounds like uh, at this point, you know, if Jerry didn't exist, there wouldn't be... Yeah. a thing, you know? So now you're putting those processes in place where right. things can be, there can be a little redundancy. Right. So if one thing doesn't break down, the right. whole thing doesn't break right. down. Right. For years, my uncle ran it like a, an extended family. I mean, and it is, and that's great. And what, what we've been able to do since then is come in and introduce this idea. It's like, hey, extended family is great. The way we protect that family is with sustainable business practices. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that having you come in to do that instead of some outsider, right. It's got to be like really comforting. Oh yeah, it's been great, man. You know, it's been you know, it's been it's been great. They were, I mean, they're stoked, right? People want people want Dudley's Marine to stick around. They want it to stay a, a family-owned business. And uh, so when I came down and kind of made the announcement that hey, John Willard signed off and officially taking taking over, you know, control of the marina, it was it was well received. And, um, and besides that, nobody wants to get an arm wrestling match with John Dale. <laughs> I mean, well, that boy was a punk, but uh, you see the size of his traps? Yeah. Yeah. He won the, the traditional Indian leg wrestling match. <laughs> right. I mean, back back in his day, Jerry was Jerry was a, a beast, man, but you know they're all old down there, so I got him now. So. <laughs> you, know, hey, man, you, you can't underestimate some of those old guys. They got yeah. that old man strength. Dude, you know? yeah, yeah, there's there's some tough old bastards down there Dude, for sure. Doc Sittner that raises the you know the cows that we buy at the butcher shop right man <clears throat> i mean he's like a he's you know, spry yeah not only is he spry but i mean he's like a, a not a huge man but he's like a, big a man. He, he, he's, he's a he's a larger guy he's a big know? man there uh, he's got a, he's got a good frame <laughs> yeah. and uh sturdy <laughs> right when when we had an ice storm a few years ago <clears throat> ross was over at the farm like helping kind of clean up trees and stuff and you know there's all these like 20 and 30 year old guys like you know doing stuff and Sidner gets out there and Doc's just like man you, guys are, all, you guys are a bunch of fucking pussies like <laughs> let me show you how this is done yeah, get out you of know? the way old yeah. man will put you in the grave man yeah. oh yeah no yeah. doubt no doubt so but uh, well <clears throat> so what are the things that are coming down the pipe man now that you've stepped in I, I guess I have two questions mm-hmm. you know one is what do you you know what do you have planned what are you doing for the for the vision and starting to enact that plan right. and also you know how are you working with your uncle to make sure that it's not just kind of like inadvertently shoving him aside so he still has that kind of you know ownership stake yeah. i mean not just legally but you know really feels like he's part of what's going on yes yeah, those are great questions so right now we're starting off with some pretty low low hanging fruit stuff like for example we we've never sold booze there mm-hmm. dudley's marina now so you can now get your beer for your boating activities right there at Dudley's, you know? Um, so the Baptist collectively shudder. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it was, it was funny. I had that conversation with my uncle. Like, hey, wh- why don't we, why don't we sell beer? Yeah. And he's like, you know, he just doesn't like dealing with, with drunk drunks, you know, small town grew up with, you know, some of that around and just doesn't like dealing with, it. he doesn't drink and it just wasn't, I was like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll make it off premise. How does it, how does that sound? You know, he's like, well, what do we do if they drink? And he was like, "Oh, we call the cops." You know, yeah. So it doesn't have. To, it's not like old school. We don't have to like drag them out back and like. He's you like, "Oh, we nice. don't do that anymore." Like, no, nobody right. does that anymore. You know, <laughs> you, you just be nice until it's time to not be nice. Right, right. So that that's one example. Uh, but really, right now, it's just thanks, Dalton. It's um, 
it's about building sustainability back into the business, which mm-hmm. which we have been. We're about a month and a half or two months ahead revenue wise, and now in the the high season, the peak season, than where we would normally be at. Great. So as that sustainable sustainability comes back in, you know, we're trying to shore up the finances. We got to put in new gas tanks in the next year or so, which is a huge undertaking. Engineers oh, yeah. and especially that close to the water is I'm sure environmental there's stuff. There's got to be a lot of environmental engineering that goes right. with that. So once we get kind of that no fail stuff, new gas tanks, rebuilding the docks, slowly but surely new gas lines on the docks, all that kind of stuff, then um, I'm really looking forward to getting to some cool stuff like maybe Dudley's fishing team, you know. Yeah, um, man. You know, uh, maybe maybe um, selling some, uh, retailing some boats out of out of Dudley's, and you know all kinds of cool stuff. You know, cool um, hand fishing for Marlin. A long, <laughs> long, long term. I gotta say this, or my business consultant be like, don't, don't even think about that right now. But you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm super into fishing and hunting and the whole. So you know, I think it'd be great once we get have built that sustainability back into the business is to reinvest into you know making it a, a year round. Outfitters, you know, we're, we're right now there's no hunting equipment to start carrying yeah. bows and shotguns and hunting. I mean, everybody down there, East North Carolina, or if you're coming down there, if you have a boat in a dry stack, 99% chance like you duck hunt or deer hunt or both, you know, and then that would really, because during the, during the winter months, you know, that, that part of the season, it's, it slows down a lot and we sure. usually we focus internally on rebuilding things and getting things ready again for the next season. But mm-hmm. if we, you know. Anyway, that's uh, that's more of like Dude, a, a personal job, awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. like a business thing. It's like, oh, I want to, I want to have a bunch of shotguns and this bow is and arrows all, and all the excuse in the world for John to start reaching out to like Hannah Barron <laughs> and like, hey, you want to do a video at Dudley's? Right, yeah. right. So many activities. In yeah, the man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I know we're looking forward. We gotta, we gotta get a deep sea trip on the yeah on the calendar. Well, and I know Chris and I are going to that free diving course. Yep. in Wilmington, and uh, I talked to the. The guy Hunter Hever- Heverly that I put you in contact with is a big uh, surfer and free diver in Wilmington. He grew up in the Bogue Inlet, Swansboro area. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, he hasn't really had a chance to explore it, but there's got to be a lot of great places to do some spear fishing down there as well. So yeah, that could yeah, be, I think that could it'll be, really be pretty cool. cool, man. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool place to. One, one of the guys from our company, like from our special forces company, is really into spear fishing, but like he spear fishes with scuba gear, yeah, which is apparently frowned upon. And is I it? did, I did not I know. That. I don't know nothing about that culture. I was like, I was like, shoot, man, that looks rad. You can get down there with like scuba gear and like just swim for days and shoot whatever you want. And like all my buddies were like, hey, if you do stuff with softly, make sure you don't do it with Joel. Because he likes to go scuba diving and spearfishing, and everybody in the spearfishing community like frowns on that. I'm like, uh, why would they frown on the most effective way? Like, I shoot quail in the pan. It doesn't bother me. If they're on the ground and easy to hit, I'm going to shoot them. Got them. <laughs> not, not as frowned upon as using a LAR 5 rebreather. Because then, <laughs> <laughs> then the fish don't even know you're. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, no bubbles. That guy's okay with me. <laughs> <laughs> he belongs here. That's He's a new, one of new us. definition of hand fishing. Just reach out and grab one. Yeah. Uh, yep. So. How's the handoff been, man? You know, like, what are you doing to make sure that the communication with your uncle, especially with you living not, I mean, you're not far away. You can drive mm-hmm. out there in a day, but it's mm-hmm. not, you know, hey, I'll be there in half an hour. It's right. about two and a half hour drive, right? Yeah. So, you know, what are you guys doing to make sure that so, you're you're aware of what's going on, but that your uncle, again, you know, like, isn't 
isn't kind of feeling like he's left out? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, uh, in the official organizational chart, he's still on as, as an advisor. Because mm-hmm. we don't want to lose those decades of, oh, of yeah. knowledge, obviously. And Is he still there um, day to day? Or uh, Recently, he's, his, his health... Um, He's had some complications, like some infection, you know, bacterial infections and stuff like that. So he's he's been at the house a lot more. And it's kind of like a catch-22. It's like he needs to be at the house and rest, but he's so intimately tied to the marina that we also know it would do him a lot of good to still to still be there and around, yeah. you know, the people. And so as he feels better, he's up to it. He's certainly, you know, he's he has free reign to show up at the marina whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he'd come over and, and, and hang out. Um, so, at, so I don't know. That's that's kind of uncharted territory. As I, he, sh- he should recover pretty pretty well from this this recent bout of infections or whatnot. And as he recovers and is able to get over there more, you know, I hope he can come over and, and hang out a lot. You know, yeah. um, and I think we've had a, we've got a good enough head start on the, the the new way of doing things and the new structure that. And, and in a lot of ways, I think he's relieved too. You know, um, in talking to my uncle, I th- I. I I came to realize something that I never did. I, I think a lot of other people don't realize is that, um, you know, he was carrying around a lot of stress, you know, that in, in terms of the running a business that way where it's all on you and you're the only one with the vision and you're walking around with the, so I think in a lot of ways it's, uh, he's relieved that, you know, that we've got it and yeah. that that 800 pound gorilla still off his back. So what I envision, what I hope can happen is he can come over and, and then just enjoy the good part. Like, Hey, and he's already kind of embraced that. Like somebody's come in and said, hey, you know, ask him something. Like, I'm not the boss anymore, you know. So he's, <clears> he's kind of embraced that role. But he still gets yeah. to be there and see all his buddies and they go out to lunch and, you know, flip quarter to see who pays and all that stuff. And yeah. um, Is that how that works? Well, yeah. I don't, let's, not, let's not institute that here <laughs> in the office. <laughs> right. No, I just, I know, I mean, you're talking about this. This is, I don't know why I'm thinking about this story, but it's reminding me of, uh, well, my father's parents, my father's parents were both sick at the same time with mm-hmm. cancer. And, uh, they, as they were kind of like progressively getting worse, there was, uh, like a, a nurse who's come by the house to help them out. And yeah. she was spending more and more time there. And <clears throat> basically it got to the point where they were paying her like a, kind of like a flat fee every week. Mm-hmm. And it was like, Hey, you know, this is, I'm like really kind of maxing out the amount of hours I'm spending there every week. If like this keeps going, we got to, we got to revisit this relationship and what it looks like you right. know, money wise. Right. And my grandfather was adamant, you know, no, like we're already paying you too much, you know, blah, blah, blah. But she was awesome. You know, this lady Maria was like fantastic and right. taking care of them. So she came to my dad and basically, you know, was like, listen, I lo- you know, I love your parents, but I can't like, I got to put food on my table. Right. So, right. If I'm going to be working there full time, I got to make more money. And my dad basically was like, "All right, let me talk to my father." My, you know, my father. He went back and talked to him. My grandfather was like, "Listen, you know, she's going to cave. I'm, you know, I'm. She's not worth more. I'm not, you know, I'm not paying for more. This, right. is, you know, and, and kind of like he was a, 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 grew up in the depression, right? Like he would mm-hmm. come to our house. This is like back in the day where they had the sticker guns at the supermarket. And, you yeah. know, like. You know, you paid 72 cents a can for this. If you drove 15 miles down the road, right. you'd get it for 71, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. like uh, all right, man, but, you know, like That's time that 15 and minutes time down the road, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was his mentality. So right. ultimately, my dad uh, basically was just like, hey, Maria, you know, let him keep paying you what he's paying you and we'll make you know, it right like, on the other end. Yeah. You know, my dad, my aunt will make up the rest. And he's like, man, you know, she went back and told 
my grandfather, you know, hey, I've just like I'm gonna stay. It's okay. You know, my dad told her, you know, like do not tell my grandfather. Right. He's like, I told you she would kill. He got a phone call from my grandfather <laughs> that was like, I'm worried about you. I'm not gonna be here for that much longer. You know, you were you were ready to open your checkbook and pay this woman more money. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I, I told you. I fucking told right. you. You know, I don't know what's going to happen when I'm gone. You'll be making bad decisions left <laughs> and right. No, it's, like, yeah. you know, my dad was like, man, I just had to sit there and fucking uh, take it. For the know, record, so intriguing. For the record, he's not wrong. Your dad drives a Prius. <laughs> but it's intriguing, right? The narratives that they adopt, right? Oh, so, yeah. you know, in talking to my uncle, I know he 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 originally he wanted me to he definitely wanted me to get involved, but it was more like a managerial type capacity. Sure. And I was like, I just know him and I well enough to know that I'm I'm not getting involved. I stood on the sidelines for years, and, yeah, I, yeah. and my mother was t- you know trying to. I was like, look, I, mom, I'm not getting involved until I can I can just have full control, not as a control thing, but I don't want to go start instituting these changes and yeah. putting in this exoskeleton just to have him walking behind me and undoing it. Yeah. So I'm talking to him, and that's something that our, my business consultant really helped us with in terms of talking to John Williams. Like, okay, well, what what is your – and finally the narrative we figured out that he, he had adopted for whatever reason he says that he was trying to protect me from the business. Well, yeah. Now, whether or not that, but that's that's really what he believed it to be. Sure. Like, man, this place has been weighing me down for all these years, and it's all this responsibility. I don't want that for John. Wow, you know, and he's and he's in my business. So, well, what if I assured you that we can put in, you know, put in the the systems and the the exoskeleton that it will that will keep that from happening? He's like, yeah. oh. And finally, he kind of, and then he, you know, he signed off on it, you know. But you know, I think a lot of it is just uh, transitions are tough, right? Like for any of us, and when you're tra- you're at that age, and you're transitioning to what is most likely going to be the last phase of your life, yep. that's even more terrifying. And yeah, you don't know you don't even know why you're terrified. So you, your brain just comes up with some kind of a narrative to explain the the desire to hold on. You don't because you don't necessarily know where that anxiety or that fear is coming from. So you, you come up with something to explain. It. In his mind, it was I'm protecting John yeah. from from the business, and I'm sitting there like, dude, I'm dying to get a, a crack at this thing. I'm you want to protect me? Don't make me sit here and watch this thing slowly die. You know, like, don't make me do that. Isn't that that human nature in general? Yeah. Though, I mean, like. To hold on. I mean, everything. And it's been a good lesson for me in that way is like, you know, as a a business owner and, you know, have an exit strategy, right? A business is not like, like Brian touched on earlier. It's not a business is, is meant to be a business, right? Build it that way. Build it that you can step away from it or any one person that can say, you're not supposed to go down with the ship. It's like so much other stuff though, man. Like think about like the identity you have as a coach. You know, like yeah. I think in a lot of ways more effectively than most guys I know, you've really put boundaries in your life about mm-hmm. like who John Dill is versus John Dill, the coach, or John who, Dill, the gym who, owner. Or who, people, or who people want or think John. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like I got it. Like uh, you and I, like my abs and your traps are manifestations of poor movement patterns. <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Like, hey, yeah. people are like, how did you get those? Well, by being inefficient. Right. Um, yeah, but I mean, like you talk to other guys and it's like they can't pull themselves away from those identities the same way with like, you know, your uncle, like mm-hmm. where it's like, no matter how you paint it, like he, it looks like grasping in the end when right. you're like, I have to hold on to this thing. But a lot of it's identity, right? We're right. like, this is who I am. This is what I do. Who am I if I go home and sit at the house all day? Right. And you see that all the time, right? People, guys retire from these lifelong careers and they, they die within a year later, right? Because yeah. they're so. I, read, I remember in college, like reading a lot about, uh, it was more location based. It was like if you've been living in the same house for like 50 years, and then one day when you're 75, it's like, oh no, we're going to move you to like this totally new town or this, you know, terrifying, this new place yeah. that nothing is familiar. You know, your life expectancy drops drastically upon right. that change. Is it the same if you move to Thailand, though? 
I'm just, I'm just curious because I feel I, like I those guys live forever. Life expectancy still drops, but the quality goes way higher. Yeah, like the expectancy. Like you're gonna die from AIDS now, but <laughs> it's gonna be a good year. <laughs> only, only Dougie says that with like zero hesitation. Like the first thing <laughs> is, what about if it's Thailand? <laughs> I've never Not seen an unhappy expat retirement uh, plan at all. <laughs> right? strategy, like, people are like, oh yeah, man, it's it's so sad to see you guys living like you know, leaving Las Vegas, and I'm like, that's weird. Leaving Las Vegas was fiction. I've never seen a frowny expat doing weird ass shit. Like your family is judging you right now. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it's also like you were talking about removing yourself from that position, your identity tied up, and you know, pride is a is a really powerful thing. But I think a lot the most difficult thing for a lot of people is to kind of change their frame of reference from like I'm indispensable. This business wouldn't exist if it wasn't for me. And I have a lot of pride wrapped up in that mm-hmm. to viewing it. Like, guess what? I'm so awesome. I can walk away in this monolithic thing that I created still works. That's the true achievement, right? You know, yeah. and that's, and it's really hard for people to make that mental transition from like, I'm the man to like, I'm such the man. I created something that, I could walk away from. Exactly. Right. Right. Even if I die, this thing will live on in perpetuity. Are you guys right. watching that, that HBO show succession? No, that's all like, the previews. I've seen the previews. Dude, Is it good? It's like, it's like, um, what was the? It's like Arrested Development minus all the humor. <laughs> like you know, like how Arrested Development had just like that, a bunch that of is silly not jokes. A good description. Oh no, it's it's uh it's a very engaging. Like the characters are interesting, but uh, the guy, what's the the actor's name? Brian something. Yeah, Brian. Um, you know the one who is the the bad guy in all the Steven Jason Seagal Bourne movies. movies. Yeah, Steven Seagal, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. The old guy, right, from this? The, the, pa- patriarch. the patriarch. Yeah, the patriarch of the family. It's hilarious. Like episode so one, the preview, like the, uh, the pilot or whatever, where he is stepping down as the CEO of this like huge corporation that he stood up mm-hmm. and his family sucks, right? Like they are just a bunch of like degenerates. His son who's trying to take over is just a total idiot. And like you can Brian Cox. Yeah. Brian Cox. <laughs> How could I forget that name? <laughs> um, but yeah, so this dude, it's funny, like what we were talking about, it's clear, like the first half of the episodes, him like reluctantly giving over the reins and like watching his whole family fuck his empire. And at, like halfway through, he's like, he changes his mind. He's like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Psych. <laughs> I am not stepping down. I'm going to continue running the company and I'm putting everything into a trust. So you guys are basically like toothless. Like I'm taking away your voting rights or whatever. They get on their like fleet of three helicopters and he's like, so about the papers I asked you guys to sign and like two of his kids were like the spineless ones are like, yeah, about that. We don't uh, we don't really see the point in giving up power like voluntarily or whatever. And he, he is like this moment where like all the stress that's been building up just hits him. He has this like frontal lobe like I mean just he has a total stroke, right? And like but you can see him. He goes from cogent and in control like this old titan of industry to like being challenged by his shithead kids who he hates and it's just like no that's too much like (laughs) the brain just let's go i'm like man succession is a pain in the ass like to check that out yeah but i mean what's the the other option right is like your uncle continues to run the place Mm -hmm. 
gets sick, you know, maybe something happens where he, he gets hospitalized for like a longer period of time or, you know, passes away unexpectedly. Right. right. And then it's a scramble to well, save the business. Right? Yeah, it's blessed, a scramble. Man. And it's, it's a, it's a really, it works out. It's a pretty ideal situation in that the Marine is going to end up in, in my lap at some point anyway. I'm mm-hmm. no, there, I have no, I have no, uh, cousins or, you know, I'm the only, Oh, you're the only yeah, there's heir? No, there's no wives. There's no cousins. There's no... It all eventually... Still lucky, man. Like, I mean... Well, the, the, the other option was to sell it. Right. And, you know... For pennies, right? Yeah, yeah. because, you know, as you know, you know, when you when you go to sell a business, you, you need to sell it as an exit strategy at its peak. Not like, you know... I mean, the blood was in the water, right? Sure. And, you know, like, hey, look... Dudley's is going down the tubes. We could steal it. I mean, I, I, I don't know for a fact that anybody was saying that, but... That's the world we live in, right? It's sure. Like, oh, uh, not on my watch, man. You most I mean? most so. families aren't interested either, though. Like the fact that you're willing to like step in and become involved mm-hmm. says a lot. I mean, yeah. my mom's family were like the most miserly assholes on the planet in Central North Carolina. I mean, they yeah. had tons of timberland. They spitefully like bought people out. They isolated other people's land. But they yeah. had, I mean, they had a nice, they had a nice patch, right. <laughs> you know. And um, but I mean, nobody. For better or worse, not many people in town liked them, mm-hmm. but every it was a tight community, so like everybody knew everybody else. But I mean, if you think about <clears throat> for them, their whole identity was owning land, uh, farming, mm-hmm. you know, property, the old home places and stuff like that. And they did nothing to. I mean, they kept them the way they'd been for a hundred years because yeah. that was what mattered to them. Maintaining a memory of like these people who have been gone, like family members that they probably didn't even like, right? Right. And when they passed away, like they, their greatest fear coming to like death was that people in the family were going to sell their land or that, you know, like all this, the stuff that they built, which is funny because like my mom had probably the least connection to the family really, which is why she's probably the most sane. <laughs> um, but like they divided the land up amongst the family and uh, my mom's the only one who hasn't sold anything. Um, other people just swept in and like, you know, like, oh, this house that mattered to you, like, that's cool. We're selling it. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I don't I mean, like, and for pennies, man, like yeah. my great aunt's beach house, which is super rad down in Wilmington, like they sold it for 40% below market. They walked wow. in, they, they opened the doors and sold the furniture on Craigslist. And then the first offer they got, which was a total shit offer. They just, they took it. They were like, yeah. yep, write us well, a check. And it, that's why this worked out really well in that, you know, not only was I willing, but it, and, and you, 10 years ago or five years ago, or excuse me, but you know, when I was still in the military or whatever, I never would have thought, but it just lined up. This is the level and the type of work I've been working on at the level I've been working on it with, with the gym. So it essentially just became a third site for the gyms. And I was just extremely thankful if we hadn't put all the work we had two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to, to, to take the time and the energy and the emotional effort to do what I'm doing at the Marine now. Cause the yeah. Marine, the, the gyms weren't at a point where I could step away from it for long enough to do that. So timing yeah. wise, it all kind of worked out seems like yeah. you've done a really good job with the gyms, man, of building yeah. those same types of systems where they aren't reliant on you to be operating. Right. Uh, you still obviously are controlling the direction they're going in and, and, you know, your DNA is like very evident in the gym culture. Right. But you don't have to be there right. all the time for right. it to They only going. make one C. White, though. C. How, White, baby. How Killing you, the game <laughs> in Durham. <laughs> how, do, how are you supposed to replicate C. White? <laughs> no, C. White. And that's really been lucky, too, as far as the, pe- the guys I have in place now. C. White. In Durham and Big Ben and Raleigh, I, I mean, they're killing it. They're doing great, and they they own it and love it enough on their own and share this, the vision enough on their own that, you know, 
I can go to Swansboro every week and do what I need to do there. Yeah. But, you know, and that's a lesson I'm trying to learn from my uncle's, you know, I don't want to say mistakes, but different way of is, is recognizing that they can do it and then trusting them to do it. Right. Yeah. Well, and, it sounds like you're bringing a lot more business knowledge. You right. know, your uncle is clearly a really knowledgeable guy about. Right. Yeah. When it comes to the water and, and fishing and engines and tides and how are wildlife. you replacing that though like if there's that repository of knowledge with that was in your uncle like obviously the employees are are knowledgeable as well mm-hmm. but i mean a lot leaves with him you know like right i mean and well, just bringing in new guys i mean you talked about having guys there that are you know have been working there longer than you've been alive right and at some point those guys need to be replaced right, right. so well, yeah and you know jerry the guy that's been there forever and the, on the yard you know he's got a couple young guys he's already working with all right you know, so, so the next generation is in the pipe and it's kind of happened naturally. And yeah. the, the beneficial thing is, I mean, number one, I did learn a ton from my uncle growing up about fishing in the water. But, but the level I'm involved at the executive level, I'm not in those details. The meetings right. I have down there are more are are more are more similar to the meetings that I have with my site directors in Raleigh than than any any specific CrossFit stuff or specific fishing sure. stuff, right? We're talking about the same thing: sustainable business, yeah, business operations, communities, right? you know, key performance indicators. It's the same language at at that level, so it just translated well because that was a world that you know two or three years ago I was still just barely getting into, mm-hmm. much less ready to 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 take it. To a, to a whole different business set. So awesome, man. Yeah, it, it worked. And it's, it's a relief, you know, because the reality is, you know, my uncle didn't have an exit strategy. So he's still, you know, he's still the owner. He still depends. He's still depending on that money. I mean, you know, we have, we have somebody staying with him 24 hours a day, like, like it sounded like your grandfather had. And yeah, that shit's expensive, man. And yeah, man, <laughs> you know, Real insurance doesn't cover that. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, it, so it just feels good to be able to take care of him, take care of the people at the marina and, and you know, take care of everybody with sustainable business, right? Sure. So that um, that's still kind of setting in, man. It's been a, been a couple months, and it's like, man, it's, no, it's it's working, it's happening. Like we're we're doing it, we're taking care of everybody, and then and it's it's counterbalanced too. Like it feels really good, it feels like this huge victory. But the reality is, man, I'm I'm having to watch this guy that's like, like a father to me, who just seemed indestructible for so many years. I mean, it was like the epitome of like just a hard ass dude, and he's. It's just a reminder of, of our, we're all, our, all of our own mortality, right? Like if that yeah. guy, if that guy's going to eventually, and it's almost like it for years, man, he didn't change. And he was just this, I mean, throwing a 12 foot casting net and fishing and out there, you know, on the water and just, just killing it. Just a big, strong dude, you know? Yeah. And now it's, it's uh so that's, that's tough, but you know, that's, that's life too, right? It's just a reminder that make the shit count while you're, while you're here and you're able, you know? <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, that's what the name of this podcast that's is all it, about. Die living, baby. My mother-in-law used to say life is a fatal condition. It is. And, uh, it is. Yeah. So. She was also kind of a German, <laughs> German pessimist, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I love how pessimistic, old immigrants are where it's like nothing is happy like I, even at the height of emotional bliss it's very like well you know yeah, i mean some of it for <laughs> her i think was uh just you know personality based but you know she grew up in post-war germany it was yeah. basically like depression era you know for our grandparents so a little bit different than uh it's a whole different than mentality and like the baby boom times here 1950s america but in any event, spent a lot of time uh, denying <clears throat> knowledge of ovens. No, we had no idea. 
she was like four years old, man. But uh, yeah, don't put that evil on her. <laughs> I like the way that Aaron's clear. She was four. She's yeah. four, dude. We can, we can talk about this in, in more detail at next, another point in time. The next podcast, yeah. Holocaust deniers and their children. Damn it, Doug. So, um, way to make things weird. Yeah, super weird. This is all I'm really good at, by the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Strap in no, your seatbelt. No, no right or stop there. Yeah. You're good. On that note. I don't really want to end on that note, yeah. but uh, I, I kind of run out of time. It's a great so. note to end on. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> really, really appreciate it. <laughs> um, in any uh, event. Always leave them happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we won't make this weird. Yeah. Um, the results are in. Doug, stop. Stop. <laughs> yeah, Let it just go. stop talking. <laughs> um, Hey man, I'm excited to get down to yeah, Dudley's. Absolutely, man. we got to do some fishing together. Yep. and uh, I got a feeling we'll be doing well. Just hopefully more stuff out in the water. Yeah, at some ab- point. Absolutely, man. It's a great. Got to have uh, you know the softly, softly boat. Dudley's Marina and softly, man. It's just it's just it's a match meant to happen, man. Oh yeah. yeah. When does the USS Suisponte set sail? Oh, now <laughs> that's right. Now you're getting me excited. Dreadnought class <laughs> cruiser. That name is reserved by Lee Stacy. <laughs> well, in that locale. Is it state by state? I don't know. How does boat naming work? I, yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm You're not sure. supposed to know. Oh, I should know Marina that. Marina owner. Oh, I should know that. Good lord. Dang. Just get a bigger boat and put the name on it. And Boats then the go in the water, John. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, you, I think you just need a bottle of champagne to crack over the bow. And it's official then at that point. You paint whatever you want I feel on like there. any <laughs> boat that I could afford, we would puncture the hull with a bottle of champagne. <laughs> I've seen enough like pithily named crappy boat, you know, like like playing it loose too or whatever. <laughs> 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 I've seen enough of those. Three no. slimes, three. Yeah. Well, that's exactly. a really cool. In that area, there's a, tra- there's, seven. There's a tra- tradition down, down east there that all, the boat names are all family names, like the Nancy Lee or the, yeah. You yeah. Know, the, the Eloise, whatever. It's that's like awesome. Combination of names for the for the boats because we got seven Jennies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, keeping it a little more classy though, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, appreciate you coming by. Always good having you over, man. Yeah, anytime, man. We I love, love hanging out. So, uh, yep. Coming at you live from Softly HQ. Join us again next week on the Dialoving Podcast.